Thank you, ladies, for another fantastic job. I tell you, that honored the Lord and encouraged our hearts and exalted Him. Thank you. All right. If you have your Bibles at home, and I know that you do, I want you to turn in those this morning with me to the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter number 1. As I have prayed unto the Lord for the messages, for the time and hour in which we are facing, which certainly are unique and different for us, uh, the Lord uh, seems to have impressed upon my heart each Sunday something that would comfort you and encourage you, as well as challenge you in some areas. I know a couple of few weeks ago I preached on winning the war on worry. And then last Sunday I preached on the subject of what trials reveal and, and how the Lord wants us to, to learn how to trust Him at all times. And this morning, I want you to look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Um, I want to preach this morning on truth for troubled hearts and how that God comforts His children. And so I want you to read with me in a few verses, and then I will preach out of this text and hope it will be a a help and a blessing to you. Verse number 1. Chapter 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Paul the Apostle starts his second letter, to the church at Corinth with a great word of encouragement and exhortation based upon his personal experiences and how that God has comforted him in some things that he has gone through. And I'll be honest with you, when I hear a man preach or teach, I I like to hear someone preach or teach who who has experienced some of the things that he is teaching and preaching on. Now, that's not possible for every subject that a man of God handles from the Scriptures. And it's not necessary for us to go through everything that the Scripture talks about. But it encourages me to know that Paul was a man of like passions as we are. And that he struggled in certain areas just like you and I do. Now, I know that I will never face some of the afflictions and some of the trials and some of the tribulations that he faced as an apostle. At least I don't think I will. But I do know that, uh, and I appreciate him saying that God would comfort us through, he says, through all our tribulation. And he says, any trouble. And so that lets me know that Paul was not trying to exalt himself, but rather to just, so that he can say, hey, listen, I understand what you're facing and what you're going through. And I think that he... Let's us know that. Sometimes people carry themselves as if they are never troubled about anything or have never had any trouble in their lives. They kind of carry themselves really with a, with a false uh, front. And so Paul makes this very clear when he says this. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 8. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble. And the reason he says that is because he says, look, I understand what I'm fixing to tell you and what I'm fixing to preach to you. He's talking about here, he says, and what I'm writing to you, he says, I understand. I understand exactly where you are and some of the things that you are feeling and going through. He mentions the word here that he says here in verse number eight, he uses the word our trouble and that word trouble and troubled. That's when in your soul, in your mind, that you are disquieted and when you are distressed and restless and anxious and worried. 
He also used the term pressed out of measure. Have you ever felt pressed out of measure? That means to be weighed down and burdened down to to the point of where that you feel like that you're just about ready to go under. Now, I, I liken it unto someone who might be pulling a wagon. And that wagon is so loaded down that if you were traveling behind that wagon, you would see the axle beginning to bow in the middle there because it's just about overloaded and about ready to crash. And Paul said, that's the way I feel sometimes. He said, pressed out of measure. And then he said, above strength. Have you ever felt in your heart sometimes that you're facing some things or you're feeling some things and it's more than you feel like that you can handle and that it seems beyond your ability? And you are reminded that the Lord will not put on you more than you can bear, but it seems like he's gotten you to the point of where that you can't bear this anymore. You know, it's, but really what he's referring to there is, is that you can't in your own strength. And then he uses the word despair. You know, it doesn't sound, doesn't even sound right that the apostle Paul would say that he had reached the point of despair. It seems like he was always on top of things, but I believe the very best of saints are men of like passions. I believe the very best of us and the strongest of us are sometimes troubled and sometimes pressed out of measure and sometimes above strength and sometimes, yes, even in despair. And that means when there seems to be no way out and there's no answer. He also mentioned in chapter number 7 that he had been cast down. He had been cast down. Now this is the same guy who wrote to us and said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And I know that he was encouraging us that rejoicing is a choice. And yet there are moments and seasons and times of where that the best of us and the rest of us are cast down. Or even discouraged by the circumstances that we are facing. But you know, in the process of all of what God was doing in his life, you know what he said? You know what I learned out of it in verse number 9? He said, I learned this. He said, I learned not to trust in myself. He said for that we should not trust in ourselves. I do not trust in our government. I'm not saying that I don't pray for the leadership. I'm not saying that I don't thank God for America and the structure of our government. I don't trust in them in my greatest needs. And, and, the, and the times that I need help, I'm trusting not in them nor in myself. But he said that we should not trust in ourselves but in God, which raises the dead. You know, he learned, said, I learned to trust in God. And I love verse number 10 because he uses the word deliver in three tenses. Talking about how that God can be trusted. He said in verse number 10, who, who, talking about referring to God, he said who delivered us. Talking about children of God. Understand that this message is for those who have been born again. Who delivered us from so great a death. And that word delivered means he has done this in the past. And then he said, and doth deliver, that's present tense, he's doing it. And then he says, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. That's future tense. That God is our deliverer. I remember an old song uh, that goes something like this. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. But in every situation... God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. And he said, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus and I've learned to trust in God. And Paul said in verse number four, in all our tribulation. So your tribulation may be different than mine. And he says, any trouble, my trouble may be different than yours, but it's my trouble. And it's your trouble. 
And the bottom line is, it's trouble. And we need help from God. Now the Apostle Paul, with great confidence, encourages us here in these few verses and exhorts us to learn to trust in the Lord. And here's what he says. And, and, and here's what he says about the Lord and what he wants us to do. Number one, in verse 2 and 3, he wants us to trust in the person of God, His nature, His disposition. God can only be who and what He is. God is truth. He cannot lie. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. God is love. And God always does that which is in the best interest of others. And so when you look at verse 2 and 3, you will see the person of God. And we'll look at that in just a moment. His nature. The disposition of God. He'll always be who He is and what He is. Circumstances do not change the nature of God. And then he refers to the, the people of God. He refers to the God's network. How that God uses these things to comfort His children. His network. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then he talks about the purpose of God. Of why He allows tribulations. And why He allows these troubles to come into our lives. And by the way, sometimes some troubles are worldwide. As we see today. Uh, It is not unique to one family. Or to one city. Or to one county. Or to one state. This thing has been worldwide that we're seeing now. This uh, This pandemic is what it's called. And it has uh, really, God's using this in people's lives. Now I want you to notice with me how that the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to trust in the person of God. When I cannot understand God, when I cannot feel God, when I cannot sense Him, I can trust His very nature. I can trust His disposition and who He is and what He is. And so Paul said this about him. Ten times in three verses, he mentions God. He mentions God the Father. He mentions the Lord Jesus Christ. And he mentions about the God of all comfort. And that, my friend, is the Holy Spirit. So when he talks about God and the Father here, notice what he says here. In verse 2 and 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Our God is a God of all grace. Our God is the God of peace. Now, in order for you to have the peace of God, you got to have peace with God. The peace of God is something that you experience. Peace with God is something that is judicial and happens when a sinner recognizes their condition of being sinful and needing a Savior and believing that God the Father sent God the Son to be the Savior of the world. And when that sinner recognizes that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and they are willing to humble themselves, bow their knee, and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior... At that moment, a wonderful transaction takes place. To as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon His name. When a man is willing to repent of his sin and and put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says God will grant him the power to become a child of God, a son of God. What a blessing that is. And then something is established. Peace with God is established. We are reconciled unto God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we become His children. And when you become a child of God, God takes that seriously for He is wanting to be known as a father. And He loves His sons and He develops His sons. He provides for His children. He loves on His children. And He will comfort them. And so he uses the term grace and peace and mercies and all comfort. And that word comfort means that he is going to come along somebody along their side to console them, to encourage them, to underpin them in times of difficulty and distress. 
I think it was J. Sidlow Baxter who said that when his wife had died, he said, I am very lonely at times. He said, but I am never alone. What a blessing that is for a child of God. He refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, I tell you, God the Father cares about you when you're going through a trial or a tribulation. He's called the God of all comfort. The Lord Jesus Christ expressed the same heart and mind toward us. When he said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. He said, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, and I thought about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was talking to his men right before he went to the cross, how he expressed his love for them. And he says, you know what, boys? He said, listen. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, you believe in God? He said, Believe also in me. In that same chapter, a little bit later, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. What a blessing. What a promise. I will not leave you comfortless. A little bit later, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father cares about the heart, the mind, and the spirit of his children. And that word comfort, Jesus said, I will come to you. He said, and I will send you another comforter. And he was referring to the Holy Spirit who would come and abide in us and guide us into all truth. So he said, look, if you're going through some trouble and you're going through some tribulation, He said, if you are distressed and you are afraid, I mean, there's a lot of people right now that are afraid. They are afraid of their, uh, their future. Uh, They're afraid of their finances. Uh, They may not have a job tomorrow. They're afraid of their health. They're afraid to be around certain people. They're afraid to be around anybody. Some folks are. Uh, Some folks are, are cowered in their homes in fear. And so, yes, there is a lot of troubled hearts right now. There are. But I want you to know for the child of God, there's hope and there's help. And I want you to know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are interested in comforting you. That is the very nature of our God. That is the very nature of our Heavenly Father. Now, the second thing in this passage is that I need you to trust in are the people of God, or should I say, His network. How that God works to comfort His children. You'll notice what He says here in verse number 1. Now, there are several things mentioned here. And God may comfort you directly, or He may do it indirectly. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. When God saved you, He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of your heart. And the Holy Spirit, sometimes, just the very presence of the Holy Spirit, will become very personal, and He will comfort you and strengthen you in your inner man. And sometimes, though, the Holy Spirit will do it indirectly, in that He will use the people of God around you that He also indwells. And He will use both the Holy Spirit and the human touch and the human voice. And the gifts He's given them to comfort you. But you've got to be willing to let other people into your life. And you have got to let God use other people. And you've got to recognize that it's God doing this. That it's not just somebody that all of a sudden just started liking you. And it wasn't somebody who just happened to cross your path. But you've got to learn to understand that though God is invisible, He is not imaginary. And God works through His network. Alright? And, but you know, have you ever seen, uh, I'm sure you have, many of you have a cell phone or you have seen an old cell phone commercial where somebody's walking around and said, uh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Uh, and they bump on their phone and they'll shake their phone. Can you hear me now? And, and what they're saying is, is that some phone companies have a, a greater network than others do. Well, can I say to you that God has a great 
network. Now, what you have to do, and listen, in other words, as far as his ability to transmit, no problem. What you have to do is stay underneath that network so that you can receive what God has for you. You get outside that network, you're going to find yourself not being troubled. Uh, Should I say not being comforted in your trouble. There are some people who refuse to be comforted, by the way. They are merchants of misery. And they love feeling sorry for themselves. And they love being victims of their circumstances. But the Lord wants to encourage you, strengthen you, and bless you. The people of God, His network. Man, I thank God for His network of people in our lives. Now you'll notice in the passage here, He uses, look look how clear this is. Look in verse 1. Verse 1, Paul. Well, if you live back in that day, that would have been an apostle. And today we would refer to them probably as a missionary. A veteran missionary that has a word of wisdom. That looks at things a little bit different. Looks at things globally. Looks at things a little bit different than just the local culture that you are in. He sees things from a different perspective. And he has a word of encouragement, exhortation, and wisdom. We have one of those men in our church that's in Austria. And I hope he's watching and listening right now. We love him, Brother Jim Griggers in Austria. When he comes by this way, it refreshes our people. It refreshes our church. When I get a phone call from him, it it always strengthens me and encourages me. So Paul was a, a missionary or possibly even an evangelist that is in our lives. But the bottom line is you need some preachers in your life. You need some men of God in your life. That uh, that you hear, you listen to, or you stay in communication with. And, and God will use them to encourage you. But also it says, not only Paul, an apostle, but he also said, Timothy, our brother. You look at Paul as being somewhat more global in his ministry. And Timothy was more like a pastor, teacher, the local guy. The local pastor. If you don't have a local pastor, you really, you need one. You know why? Because this is God's means and method to comfort you, to counsel you, to encourage you, sometimes to reprove, rebuke, and exhort you. But God uses men to do this. Timothy, that pastor, teacher, uh, that will comfort you in your trouble and in your tribulation. And if a pastor's worth his salt and he finds out. You see, you, you sometimes think that pastors are mind readers and they have this uh, crystal ball and they know everything that's going on in your life. While if they were to be around you, you're carrying yourself and they say, well, you're doing okay, I'm doing all right. But you're thinking he's got some kind of magical powers that he can see past that phrase and he knows exactly what's going on in your life. But in reality, he doesn't. That's why Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of the trouble that I'm going through. I'm telling you. And sometimes, but what I'm saying is when a pastor does know that you're going through some trouble and that you are troubled and that you're going through a tribulation and you're going through some problems, I promise you he cares. There's some things he can do. There's some things he can't do. And God, though, will use a local pastor to help you even in counseling you to help you make some of the decisions that you have to make that are hard to make in life sometimes. The third area in this network, here you have this pastor, you have this missionary evangelist, these men of God, but then you have the local assembly, the church of God itself. What a blessing. By the way, haven't we learned the last few weeks the church is not a building, but the church is us. It is us. And the Bible says here in, uh, look with me, he says in verse number one, he said, Paul, then he mentions Timothy, and then he says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. That's a local church. That's a local body. That's a local body of believers that you need to be a part of. You don't need to be just a part of what you call the generic 
the body of Christ, you need to be part of a local assembly. I'm aware that you can exercise your gifts and be a blessing and where others can exercise their gifts and be a blessing to you. But the church of God, those fellow soldiers in Christ Jesus, you know when Paul was cast down, you know what happened? He specifically mentions when he was cast down that the Lord sent Titus his way. And Titus comforted the apostle Paul. And I'm just saying to you that from time to time that God is going to use the people in your congregation, your local assembly, to encourage you, strengthen you, and bless you. Now, they can do it in different ways. Were you blessed this morning by the ladies singing this morning? Were you encouraged by their ability to sing an old hymn? You know, it's amazing to me how that when you're down and out, you can turn on the radio or... Now listen on your phone to a a song of the saints of God singing about God and singing about the promises of God and singing about His power and the precious blood of Jesus and how that God uses them to minister to your heart. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, 13, and 14 is about the body and how that God uses the local assembly to edify us and yes, to comfort the saints. God's good like that. See, God's got to put all kind of things around you to comfort you and encourage you if you can receive it. If you can receive it. And then you'll notice in verse number 1, he not only mentions Paul and Timothy, the men of God, the church of God, the people of God, but he says, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. You see, God has even spread this thing out where that I have friends and fellow laborers that belong to other churches and other parts of the world and parts of the country. So God has given me a large family and he uses them to comfort me. I can remember, listen, I've been around a little while, been in this for over 40 years. And so I I could tell you a lot of experiences, but I can, I'll mention just a few of them right now. I was thinking about... One time I was really, what you might say, cast down. And my phone rang. I was in my, in my bedroom. I'd been praying and meditating on some things and the phone rang. And I answered the phone. I didn't recognize the number and it was a brother, uh, from down at Wild Peach Baptist Church in Brazoria. I had preached there when their pastor was ill. I'm not able to fill the pulpit. They had asked me to come and preach for them several times in the midweek service. And I went down there probably for, I don't know, maybe a month or two. And got to know those people and had preached a meeting there a time or two. But anyway, this brother felt led of the Lord at that moment when I was cast down. And nobody knew. Nobody. I'm sure my wife picked up on that. But I'm just saying that I did not speak to anybody about these things in my heart. And yet the Lord impressed on that brother's heart to call me at that moment and said, Hey, Brother Roger, are you okay? Now, isn't that an unusual statement for somebody to say when they call you? And he said, Are you okay? I, I, you're on my heart this morning and I was burdened to pray for you. And I just want to make sure you were okay. You say, Well, that was just love. Uh, you, surely you're not that dumb. Do you realize that God uses His church family So when you receive a text sometimes from somebody or you receive a phone call or you get a card in the mail or somebody comes to visit you and the Lord just has a word for you through those people, that is your heavenly father, that is Christ in others, that is the Holy Spirit working to encourage you and to comfort you in your heart. Now, These first two points was to encourage you. Now, what I my, my, my goal here this morning is not just to encourage you, but I want to flip this thing over. And I want you to realize that God wants to use you to encourage somebody else. Look what he says here. Look with me in verse number four. In other words, you're going to have to quit just being a consumer of all this comfort. And you're going to have to now begin to export some of this. All right? You'll notice in verse 4, he says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. See, we talked about the very person of God, 
the God of all comfort, the people of God, the apostle, the missionary, the evangelist, the pastor, the church of God, the local assembly, and Christians around the world. How God uses that network and you stay in that network. Don't get out of church. Don't get sideways with God and with his children. Get yourself in a situation where the Lord can minister to you and through you. Now watch this. Look in verse 4. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Why? Why does God comfort you? Why does God go out of his way to encourage you? Is it because he loves me? Well, that's true. Is it because I'm a child? Yes, that's true. But that's not the only reasons. Look what he says in verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Do not waste one experience that God has allowed you to go through, no matter how painful it has been. Do not let that go to waste of where that you are so prideful, prideful that you have pushed that aside and put it in a box somewhere and locked it and thrown away the key that you cannot learn from that and take that out when the Holy Spirit tells you to and use it to comfort somebody else with the same comfort of how God used it to help you. Now listen carefully to this. I think it was John Henry Jowett who said, and this was back in the 1800s, he said, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable. God comforts us to make us comforters. Did you get that? This is very important. God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, though I like being comfortable. He says, but to make us comforters. Our goal should be to testify of God's help to us when we have been helpless. Your circumstances are not without purpose, though you may not see it at the moment. What a blessing it would be if the Lord were to fax you something tomorrow or send you an email or even a text and say, now listen, here's the reason why. You're going through this. And I'm going to use this next year in somebody else's life. You say, oh man, that's great. I can, I can handle this. Nope. Most of the time, he's not going to tell you why at the moment. And you won't be able to understand it at the moment of the trouble or the tribulation or the trial. And you may feel like you know, but sometimes you won't be able to figure it out. You know what? Job was never told the reason why. He, he, He never knew exactly why. All the things that fell his way. But down the road at the end of his life, God richly, richly comforted him and blessed him. But we know why. Because we read about his life and his faith and his patience and how he trusted God. And sometimes people are comforted just by the fact that you stay by the stuff. Just by the fact that you endure hardships as a good soldier and that you are in your place at church and that you press on and you do what is right and it encourages us and comforts us. And you say sometimes we say, hey, if brother so-and-so can go through that, then surely I can go through this. Have you ever said that to yourself? I mean, I have. I mean, surely, surely. And so the purpose of God is for you to testify and for God of God's help to you. You know, I think about that uh, songwriter, and we sing this song often here. And man, I'll tell you, every time I have heard that song sing, talking about the song here in just a moment, It Is Well With My Soul, that song has blessed millions of people throughout the years. It is well with my soul. But that came out of... A broken heart that was healed by the comforter. This was written by a man 
Horatio Spafford, who could not have dreamed how his personal tragedy would turn into a song that would comfort millions. A businessman in Chicago who sent his family in a ship across the ocean toward Europe. Storm arose and that ship sank. And he lost his wife and his daughters. And as he was going on his own journey across the waters, my understanding is, is that the captain said, said, sir, this is about where you lost your family, right in this area, the best we can understand. And they say that he sat down and by the grace of God, penned the words to the song, it is well with my soul. The very first stanza is when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. He says, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Now that song has ministered to thousands upon thousands of saints of God when their heart has been hurting. You've got to let God work through you. Our comfort from God is not for consummation only, but also for distribution. Are you a comforter? Or are you always seeking comfort? Have you gotten to the point of where that you can also comfort others? And the Lord desires for you to do that. I have had the privilege of being a pastor for nearly 40 years. In the process of time, those four decades, I have seen a lot of things in people's lives. I have seen deaths. I have seen people lose their children. And I have grieved with them. I have seen husbands lose their wives and wives lose their husbands. Death, to me, is a time of trouble. It is a time of tribulation. I think diseases that strike a man's family, whether it be his wife or his child, can be a time of great tribulation and sorrow. When disasters come, God has seen fit that my wife and I live near the coast in our ministries, whether it be in Louisiana or Texas, and we've been through our more than fair share of hurricanes, some worse than others, like Andrew, Harvey, that have been disastrous, that have left families without homes and without means. We've seen a lot of sorrow during those times. I've seen people live through periods of depression, And depression can be very real when a person is going through that period of depression. It was um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon who testified that he struggled personally with depression. A great man of God. There are those who struggle with doubt in their hearts. And, you know, many times you probably have heard or seen a, a, a Billy Graham evangelistic program. And usually at the end of one of his programs, they sing, Just As I Am. While that song has taken on popularity to be used at the invitation for a sinner to come to Christ, and it's appropriate for that, the person who wrote that song was a believer who continually struggled with the doubts of their salvation and not having full assurance of their salvation. The Bible refers to the term full assurance, which means that some people have it, full assurance, but some people don't. I've heard some preachers even say, if you doubt that you're not saved, it means you're not. That's a dangerous statement. It's a foolish statement. That's why 1 John was written, that you may know, that you might have confidence and have assurance in your salvation. But in the writing of Just As I Am, that song came out of some anguish, some trouble, and some heartache. And man, it's been a blessing to multitudes. One of the phrases, one of the stanzas, she said, Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict 
and many a doubt. Fightings and fears within and without. She just threw herself upon the cross and she said, O Lamb of God, I come. And in the midst of that heartache and that sorrow and doubt, she just had to fling herself upon the mercy of God and the grace of God and said, Here I am. I come, O Lamb of God, just as I am. There are those who have gone through all kinds of circumstances and situations. And so I I hope that you will not allow the adversary to, to, to push yours down into a box where that God cannot reach and use those things in your life to minister to others. I know some of them are so private that it's, that you may not feel comfortable talking about it. But if the Holy Spirit tells you, you know, you could help that person right over there. You've been right through where they are. You have felt what they're feeling. And you know how I helped you. Now you go over there and you tell them there is help and there is hope in me. See, it's not about how you overcame. That's not what God is interested in. It is you helping others to see that God helped you overcome some things. And therefore, God can help them overcome some things in their life. I know that uh, debts come. Financial troubles come. Divorce. That's a horrible word. Divorce. And you say, well, both parties are always guilty. That's a foolish statement. There are some people who want to save their marriage and somebody walks out on it and their life must go on. Divorce is a horrible thing both for individuals and for the child involved. And yet some have suffered and yet they've overcome it and they've gotten past it and God has encouraged them and given them hope and given them a new life. You could help somebody. You could help somebody how God helped you through those circumstances and the disappointments that you have faced in your life. And I want to close this message with an illustration, if I may, a personal one. But I want to say this first. I want to say that our troubles and our tribulations are not without purpose. Our experiences are valuable to the Lord to use us to comfort other people. And you are to watch for and receive God's comfort and encouragement along the way. Stay in His network range. If you are not receiving comfort from the Lord in your times of trouble, you have to ask yourself, am I in His network? Or am I creating my own trouble in my life? See, the Lord is not going to comfort a rebellious child. God is not going to comfort a stubborn child. God is not going to comfort someone who is going to step willfully outside his network. This is for us or those who want to stay in fellowship with God. And then I want to say, do not be too proud to receive help from God's network. And don't be too proud and too private to give comfort to other people. He said, well, Brother Roger, I just don't want to be involved in people's lives. It gets complicated. Well, that's true. But you don't mind people getting involved in your life when you need help. As if you're not a little complicated. I pray that God will use you, even during these days in which we live, which are unusual. Text somebody an encouraging word. Send them a song that God's put on your heart. Send them a card. Hey, Send them some money. Nobody's ever gotten mad at anybody for sending them some money. Send them a verse of Scripture. Give them your testimony. What you don't want to do is when you try to encourage somebody is to laud over them and make them feel this big because you're this big and you made it through it and they're still down here. That's foolish. Paul learned that he could not make it without God delivering him. And you would not have made it had God not delivered you in your circumstances. You did not pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It was God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the comfort of the Holy Ghost and the network that God put around you. We're all... uh, There's so many people that have invested things into us to make us where we are today.
God's been good to us. You know, the scripture says that you should comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Chapter 5, verse 11, comfort yourselves together. Chapter 5, verse 14 says, comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. And some people are feeble-minded. They watch the news all day. They believe what all those people say about everything all day long. And they are terrified. Encourage them. And encourage them to get off of the news and get in the good news that's in the Word of God. Amen. You know, I'll give you a personal illustration of how that God will use some tragedy in your life to comfort others. In 1987, Cindy and I were expecting, she and I were expecting our sixth child. And somewhere around June and July, we found that Cindy was having some complications. We went to the doctor. They found some problems with the child. And Cindy was, uh, was already about seven months along. And we had named her Hannah Elizabeth. And this was in, uh, in Louisiana. And so the doctor told us that uh, it didn't look like that the child would survive. And it was beginning to poison Cindy's body. And so we were really in a dilemma there of what we were going to be able, what was going to happen to Cindy, what was going to happen to the baby. And so we were really in a dilemma. Nobody could help us. Uh, nobody could uh, really uh, do anything for us except the Lord. And so we just, we just asked God to give us help. Uh, well, in July, uh, our, our little baby girl died and Cindy gave birth to a stillborn little girl. And I, we took her, uh, and we went to a, a funeral home in New Iberia called David's in New Iberia. And we had this little baby in a little white casket. And there were my children. And there was Cindy. And there I was uh, with my Bible open with a couple of, of men from the funeral home there. I believe they were Catholic men. And we felt so alone at that moment and season. In that very situation, we just felt so alone. Cindy had suffered physically, emotionally. We, we owed money at the hospital financially. We did not have insurance. And so it was an emotional, spiritual, financial, physical time of trauma for us. And I opened up my Bible, and the best I could, I trusted God past my feelings and my frustrations. And I just read some scriptures to my children in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and explained to them that we'd be planting their sister, that it was a seed and that one day that we would see her again and that we could comfort ourselves with these words. They seemed a little bit hollow at that moment emotionally, but by faith we believed them. Well, you know, concerning the finances of that situation, when I got back to the house, uh, there was a, a, a man there by the name of Parker McLean, an older gentleman, retired and I was in my office, and uh, he he walked he, he drove up and came into my office, and he laid a, he laid a thousand dollars cash on my desk, and he said, "Brother Roger," he said, "The Lord told me that you needed this more than I needed this," and so he just loved on me and helped me financially. Then we started getting letters and cards in the mail from churches again, the network that I'm talking about of people praying and 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 some money that took care of the bill at the hospital. And my mother-in-law was there, and she was able to witness the hand of God comforting us and encouraging us during this time. Well, we moved on from that, and God helped us and enabled us through those times, not knowing, not knowing this. Nineteen years later, that was in 1987, in 2006 in March, I was in Mississippi going to preach on the family for Brother Ronnie Bearfield in Unity Baptist Church in Ripley, Mississippi. And we received a phone call from a family that we pastored. At that time now, I was pastoring here in Texas at East River. And the one of the families that we loved and ministered to in Louisiana, one of those families called. And they said, Brother Roger, is it possible that you could you and Cindy could come by here on your way back to Texas? And what had happened was one of the young ladies... 
that we watched grow up in our school there, and we loved her dearly and still do today. Uh, she had uh, become ex- pregnant and expecting their second child, and she was nine months pregnant and expecting to deliver this child just any time, and something just happened unexpectedly, and the child died in her womb. And so she delivered a stillborn child as well. And they asked us to come by if we could to visit with the family during this time as they were going to bury this child. And so we went to the very same chapel, to the very same graveyard, to the very same place that Cindy and I had been in 1987. There we stood with a young lady that we loved and her husband and her mother and her dad. I opened up the same Bible, and I read the same passages, and I did my very best to encourage them and comfort them with the comfort that God had given us when we went through the same circumstances. And God encouraged both of us and showed Cindy and I that God was going to use our circumstance to comfort others with the same comfort that we had received. And he, and he has done that. Cindy has been able to minister to several women over the years who have lost a child. Some cases are worse than others, but still it is a mother's child. And so I want to encourage you not to feel sorry, but to understand that God is able. God is able to use your circumstance that may have something totally, completely different that you have gone through in the loss of a wife, a mother, a child, a business, or whatever, that God comforted you and encouraged you and strengthened you. And the Bible says that you need to learn to comfort others with the same comfort that God has used to comfort you. And where God has helped you, let God use you to help other people. And may God bless you with this message to understand that the Lord does not comfort us to make us comfortable, though He does but to make us comforters. And God will comfort you in all your tribulation, in any of your troubles, if you will trust in the person of God. And if you will let the people of God, His network, help you. And if you will see the purpose that God lets you go through some things, that you might comfort others. Don't keep all that to yourself. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll use the Word of God to help some saints of God today. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' holy name, amen.